Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches a message titled, Our Big God. Let's join in now. Hey, how are you doing everyone? You all right? Hey, uh, this is Elevation Church and I am extremely excited to stand before you today, especially about uh, our Big Give Christmas missions offering. You know, as a church planter, if you're new, uh, we are a church plant at this point. We're just over eight months old. Can you believe that? Look at this. This is crazy. And, uh, and I'm excited about the kind of church God is, is molding us and shaping us to be, one that is outward focused, one that's going to reach lost people, one that where pe- when lost people get found, because we do know that fa- found people find people, right? Can I get an amen? Can we have a little churchiness up here right here for a second? Yeah. Wait, I'm going to say it again. Found people find people. Can you say it as amen? amen. Yeah. Um, but this Big Give Missions offering is uh, really indicative of where our church is heading. We want to be a church that if we were to disappear, uh, the community of Billings would go, oh, man, do they really have to go? Uh, that people would notice and people would matter. And on top of that, we're going to dig into the word of God. I'm telling you, uh, when, when you step out and do this kind of thing at eight months as a church planner, you get your knees shake. You kind of say, I wonder if this is going to work or not. And uh, I'm here to tell you, this week, God has done some things behind the scenes that I'm here to tell you, this missions offering right here, I almost wonder, you know, did we go too small? Okay. <laughs> uh, God, God is working. So far, um, there is, uh, we have $2,300 raised toward the big give. Now, you may say, whoa, how are you, why are you saying, did we go too small? Well, um, this week, we have someone who made a phone call who's a friend of our church, uh, has been, and, and a personal friend of mine for five years, and he's working right now trying to decide a matching number uh, that if we get to a certain point, he will actually match with us what it is. And so I just learned that late last night. So let's praise the Lord for that. Um, I'm here to tell you, I, I think this thing is, is pretty doable. I think we're going to get up to a number that may surprise us all. And so, because uh, I know some people look at it and say, 15,000, Dave, what are you smoking? You know, what, what's happening? <clears throat> well, hey, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Matthew in chapter 1. If, it's, if you're in a handout Bible, it's page 551, I believe. may not have a page number on it there, but it's page 551. And Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And uh, we are here in the second week of the series, The Big Give, and the concept behind the series is very simple. It's a simple Christmas concept. It's that God gave the big give of Jesus Christ in this world so that we can come to know him and that we might be able to give the resource of Christ to others. It's, it's a very, very simple premise because Christmas is a very simple story, but yet it's an important story in our lives uh, and, and in the Bible, uh, one that we can't do without. And so today... Uh, one of the reasons why we sang, our God is greater. Do you believe that our God is greater than the things going on in this world today? Do you believe he's stronger? Uh, I do. And, and so uh, the title of the message today is Our Big God. Last week was Our Big Need. We, we admitted we need Jesus. Jesus is not just someone who we can pass by, give a glance to, and, and then say, well, that was nice, and maybe try Jesus for a little while or, or look at him from afar. We realize that we really need Jesus. It's a big need. But today, this is one of my favorite subjects to uh, preach on. It's the bigness of God because uh, the reason I love it is I feel like I could go five hours, and I won't. uh, I could go five hours just going on and on and on about who God is. 
And bragging on, getting up to preach and bragging on God is just, I don't know, it's a great privilege. And so I'm glad to be here today. So before we dive into God's word and talk about our big God, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the son of God, that you are the saving one. Lord, that you are greater than our deepest hurts. God, you are, uh, you are the one who uh, sees every season of life we go through. Lord, every part of the movie uh, in our lives, Lord, you, you know it intimately. And Lord, I thank you that you knew us so well, Lord, not just individually, but collectively, Lord, as a group, as humanity here on the earth. You knew us so well that you knew that you had to go overboard and do something huge so that we could be reconciled to you. And I thank you for being that kind of God. I thank you for being strong, for being mighty, for being what we saw in scripture last week, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. We thank you for being the prince of peace today. And so as we look at Matthew, uh, Lord, there's a piece of scripture, and I'll just be honest in prayer with you. Lord, uh, many times I look at it, and it's pretty boring. But Lord, in this, uh, you show how huge you are. And uh, Lord, we trust you with it today. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see. Uh, More importantly, give us hearts that are soft toward you and will change to look more like you by the end of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, all right. Well, hey, here in Matthew chapter 1, I want to let you know that God is huge. And uh, one of the things I want to let you know, and this is your first blank if you're taking notes. uh, and, And if you're new to Elevation, by the way, on the back of your program, you can look there, and there's a fill-in-the-blank deal. It helps keep you, uh, keep you awake if I get boring, or, you know, you can draw if you're really good at that. No. Or, even more importantly, you can write down the things that God is impressing on your heart. And here, here's a great truth. God does want to say something to you today. All right, this isn't just another worship service to sit through. He wants to talk to you about who he is. And so the first blank is that God is big enough to keep his promise. God is big enough to keep his promise. And I know that many of us turn around and we look at what's happened in our life, what's transpired, maybe how our kids have gone, how our parents have gone, how our spouse has gone, or our ex-wife or ex-husband. We look at this life, how a job has gone, and we go, I, I don't know, is God, is God really seeing what's happening here? Is he keeping his promise with me? Well, God is always big enough to keep his promise. And we're going to start by reading, I'm going to admit to you, All right, just turn to your neighbor real fast and say, this is going to be boring. Just turn to him, turn to him right now. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and I debated, and I said, Dave, no, churches that are really trying to get to people, they don't read this. And I went, well, you know, it was kind of one of those Smeagol, Lord of the Rings things. I don't know, with the Hobbit coming out, maybe it just was, I don't know, back and forth. Um, But I I went, you know, the Lord impressed him upon my heart that we need to read this. And what it is, it's the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. It's the first 17 verses for the first point. Now, in this, we're going to read it, and there's going to be a bunch of names that you're going to say. Say what? You know, why, how, why, how, they, how they do that? Why did they get named that? Um, look past that for a second, and I want you to look at the breadth of how long God kept his promise. Because check this out. All throughout the ages before Jesus came, before Christmas Day, the real Christmas Day, people were, were trying to sacrifice animals, shed blood, trying to be forgiven of their sin. And all the while, um, it wasn't really enough for God 
to be reconciled with man, right? It wasn't enough to happen. But yet, even through all this time and all these people, and here's the most important thing, all these people who did some good things, but they also had some pretty big failures, God kept his promise. And this is what I want you to see. Here it is, Matthew 1, verse 1. Check in your Bible with me. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we have David and Abraham. How many of you have heard of David and Abraham? Yeah, most of us. Abraham, here it goes. You ready for it? We're going to just fire them off. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. If you want to know something about Tamar and you're wondering about God keeping his promise, Tamar was raped, right? And yet she is still mentioned here as someone who God used to bring the line of Christ. Uh, Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Abinadab, and Abinadab begot Nishan, and Nishan begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. What was Rahab? A harlot. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot David. David was a king and at one point was uh, termed, I'm sorry, a man after God's own heart. But yet he eventually became an adulterer. He had an affair. And so uh, David the king in verse 6 begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. There's the affair. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz. Ahaz, let me tell you something about Ahaz. If God can use Ahaz in the line, he can use you and I. Remember last week in Isaiah, Ahaz was the king that God was trying to say, hey, I'm going to send, I'm going to send the answer to your problem. I'm going to fill your big need, if you remember back in Isaiah there. And Ahaz went, no, I'll do my own thing. And he led a nation completely away from God, not just himself, but a whole nation. And so there in verse 9, Ahaz beget Hezekiah. Is it boring for you yet? Are you there? (coughs) Bueller, Bueller. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Amon. Amon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah. Now, let me tell you something about Jeconiah here for a second. Jeconiah was a guy who was pretty much told there ain't no way that you're going to be mentioned in the name of the lineage of Jesus or King David. And here yet, yet there it is, he sits there. Are you catching that there's some pretty messed up people in here that God is using, that he's able to keep his promise through? Yeah, did they do some good things? Yes, but they also messed up. And so his brothers, about the time they were carried away from Babylon, there's an exile into Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shatil, and Shatil begot Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begot Abud, and Abud, Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor, and Azor begot Zadok, and Zadok got Achim. Some of you pregnant ladies, are you getting name ideas uh, yet? And Achim begot Eliud, and Eliud begot, begot Eliezer, and Eliezer begot Mathen, and Mathen begot Jacob. There's a name we know, right? Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary. Oh, now it's starting to make sense. We're getting some, some names we know. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born. Isn't this awesome? Say it together. Jesus, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. 
and from captivity in Babylon until Christ, there are 14 generations. I don't know about you, but when I look at the genealogies, it reminds me of this. There were a, there were a lot of people from the beginning all the way from Adam. If you go to Luke's genealogy, it starts all the way from Adam. Now, we don't know how many years it is. You know, there's a lot of people that guess how old the earth is and all that sort of stuff. But let's say it's 6,000, 7,000, 10,000 years from Adam. There's a long time that God was looking ahead to this day that we call Christmas Day when Jesus would be born. And there were, there were a lot of people and there was a lot of time. And, and I bet that there were people who had faith in God who eventually stopped and said, you know, I wonder if this is ever really going to happen. You know, I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm investing my life. Some of you, um, there are people in the in Elevation Church who show up at 7 a.m. to serve and set up. And you're doing this not for me, not for, not for just to, to feel good. You're doing this for Jesus. And you wonder, man, it, is this thing really going to happen? He came once. Is he going to come again? Well, here's a great truth. Here's a great truth. It's really the question of, is following God worth it? Look at 2 Peter 3.9. I love this verse. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. Have you ever felt like God's been slow? You can be honest. Have you ever just thought, Wow, God, are you going to answer this thing? <laughs> is it really going to come through? Well, I love this. It says, But he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God always keeps his promise. And when he's slow in his promise, it's because he is giving us his mercy. He's allowing us time to get right with him, time to come to Jesus. And, and, and so today you may say, well, what do I do? If God is big enough to keep his promise, what's my role? Here's your role. And it's right there in your notes. You have to trust God. Let me ask you this Christmas season, are you trusting God? Are you trusting God with your marriage when it's gotten tough? Are you trusting God when your family is falling apart from sickness? Are you trusting God when whatever it is that you've poured your life into this year maybe has crackled a little bit and, and you see it cracking up right there at the, at the foundation of, of your greatest joy in life? Are you trusting him and are you realizing that our God is big enough to keep his promise, to never leave you, to never forsake you? Isn't that a great truth this morning? If we'll just trust God with every part of our life. Now, let's check the thing that he is big enough to do. Here's your next blank. God is big enough to shine through difficult circumstances. Now, I know that... Um, only one in here who has difficult circumstances, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you, you chuckle. As a matter of fact, I know that I stand up here and I hear some of what's happening even with folks in our congregation um, from anything from cancer to uh, looking for housing to this. And I stand up here and tell you, I think my problems are pretty small. Uh, and then you even take it a step further and you look at world news. Does anybody ever feel like your problems are really, really small when you think about a mom walking out of Sudan watching her kids die? And, and you know, but problems are relative, but here's the thing. Your problems are your problems, right? My problems are my problems, and they hurt. Life, life can hurt. And, and the, the great truth here is that God 
is big enough to shine through all of our difficult circumstances. Now let's pick up the Christmas story a little bit here. We're out of the genealogy, so you can wipe your I'll say, that's done. And uh, all you ladies who want to name your son Eliakim, you go for it, all right? It says in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, that means before they had sex, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Are you catching what's going on here? You know, Joseph, he's going, what's happening with this lady I'm engaged to? But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, flip over just a little bit to verse 24. I want you to check this out. Here's the difficult circumstance that Jesus is being born into. This is chapter 1, verse 24. We'll read into verse, uh, chapter 2. It says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And did not know her. That means he, he, didn't, he didn't cheat. He didn't wait. He, he left her a virgin. He didn't know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, there's more happening here. Right? There's a marriage. Everybody's going, whoa, what's happening here? You sure that you didn't cheat on somebody, Mary? Now here's the next guy that comes in. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him because they thought that the first coming, that when Jesus came to earth the first time, that he was going to come as a political king, as, you know, as, as someone who was going to get an army together and kick butt. And so naturally, the, the existing king was like, I don't necessarily know that this is true, but if it is, I don't know that I want this Jesus being born. And so here in verse 4, it says, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And then you see uh, the, the prophecy right there later on. So let's stop for a second. Here it is, baby Jesus. Jesus was a baby. Now, I don't know if you know much about babies. If you've had a baby, you know a ton about them. If, you don't, if you've never had a baby... Well, you don't know, oh, you don't even know what's coming. And I, I can even tell you, it gets worse when they're two. It gets better for like a year. And then I don't, I, I know that by experience, like the past two months. Every morning as I wake up at 3 a.m. trying to chase around uh, my last two-year-old who is going to, he tries to open every door, turn every light on. Uh, tries to, we have to put chains, like, I don't know. We do, we, it's like Fort Knox in our house now. Uh, trying to get there. But he was a baby. He needed help. He couldn't do anything. And, and here's, here's the deal. God became a man, and this is very important, and I, I want to kind of call a time out here for a second before we, we go into the application of this. The virgin birth is such an important doctrine, such an important concept for us to know as Christians. You know, we live in a day where people say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I have Jesus in my heart. 
Well, and I've asked people this, and they've said, I, you know, I've said, hey, well, is Jesus God? And they go, well, I don't know about that, but I have him in my heart, and I'm going to heaven. Whoa, 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 back up for a second. To be a Christian, <laughs> to, to be someone who, who truly understands who Jesus is and what God did through Jesus on Christmas by sending his son from heaven to earth, we have to take the doctrine of the virgin birth seriously. I've heard this multiple times as I've sat in Billings. People say this, and this is why I call a timeout for a second. Here are some things. You may want to write these things down for why the virgin birth is important and why we must believe that what, what the Bible says is really true. And here they are. <clears throat> First of all, remember last week we said that we have a big what? Need. Well, the, the virgin birth shows that as a group of humanity, we cannot meet our need, the need by ourselves. In other words, here's what you write down. Our Savior has to come from outside of us. We don't have the goods. We can't save ourselves. Next, the virgin birth makes God, and this is what the Bible teaches, fully God and fully man. You see, Mary was without, without sin. She didn't have sex outside of marriage. She, she was pure. God had set her apart. She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is what Scripture explicitly says. And so in that, Jesus became fully man, which means he can understand and feel everything that you and I felt. Isn't that huge? This is what makes him so big because you, you wonder, hey, is God big enough to understand? Yes, he is because he walked in our shoes. But because there was no husband involved, conceived by the Holy Spirit, it made Jesus fully God. And the virgin birth clarifies for us that Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, he was God himself. And you're walking around Billings right now with a lot of different religions. And I'm not here to like slam them or do whatever, but I'm just telling you, who are going to tell you that Jesus was just the son of God, but not really God, was just um, a good man, just a prophet, a teacher, and those are lies. Don't be duped. He was fully God, fully man. Here's the next thing you want to write down. Um, this makes Jesus supernatural and unique. Supernatural and unique. In other words, the Christmas story of God coming is unique. There is no other story like it in the world because it's not a story. It's the truth. And then here's the fourth thing I want you to write down. And it's this. This is huge. This is huge. And today, if you walked in and, and you feel far from God or distant from God or disconnected from God, the virgin birth tells us this. God took the initiative for you. God took the initiative for you. Isn't that big? Stop and think about that for a second. Stop and think, think about that. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to... You didn't have to come clean. You didn't have to, to, to do anything weird. No, God said, you know what? I love these people so much that I'll take the first step. And we call that Christmas Day. Isn't that a big God who would do that? I mean, how many times have you been wronged? And, and you got to know, God's the one who's on the right side, right? We're the ones who have sinned, who have messed up, who have blown it. And yet God takes the initiative. What a great picture of reconciliation. Maybe this Christmas God is asking you, to take a step of rec reconciliation towards someone who doesn't deserve it and be big like your Savior. 
God is big enough to shine through the difficult circumstances. He brings clarity into your confusion. And I love that his power is limitless. If you step back and think about the Christmas story from this way, Jesus comes into the picture with a turmoiled relationship with people from outside of it saying, adultery, adultery, adultery. He has a king trying to kill him. He has all these things going on. He has to move from Bethlehem to Egypt, take a big trip, uh, and, and here Herod's trying to kill all the babies to make sure that Jesus is down. And yet God is big enough and he cared enough about us and to show his unlimited, uh, unlimited power, he was able to stay alive through all of that. Isn't that incredible? With everyone in the world trying to take him out, Yet as a baby, as a helpless baby, he was so powerful they could not do it. This should bring hope if you have God in your life. So you say, what's my role? If God shines through these difficult places, what's my role? Make room for God. Make room for God in your life. Now here's what I'm talking about. Uh, Some of you may not know, but a year and a half ago is when we drove a budget truck from South Florida, about 2,400 miles to Billings, Montana, to start to, to live here just so that we could start Elevation Church, so that we could matter to the community, bring the gospel uh, to, the, to the community of Billings. <clears throat> and on the middle of that trip, uh, right about the halfway mark, 1,200 miles, my budget truck completely broke down. And I had Aiden, who was nine at that time, no, maybe even eight, and I had Dax, who was two. <laughs> All right, there's that two-year-old popping out again. Um, in the middle, it broke down so much so that we had to unload the entire 24-foot truck, and we had to load it into another one. And uh, the, the company took about 24 hours before we finally got another budget truck to us. And we sat there on the side of the road, and I said, hey, is this little town safe? It was a really remote place. And they said, yeah, it's kind of safe, except for, you know, maybe 30 years ago it wouldn't have because it was a heavy KKK. You know, that's what I thought, oh, no, this is terrible. I don't know what's going to happen, but... They sent me a couple guys after 24 hours of trying to call uh, to reload the truck, and they sent me like Larry, Moe, and Curly, if you know what I'm saying, all right? I don't know their name, but they sent me a guy who had a bad back, a guy who, I'm not kidding you, was 70 years old, and they sent me, uh, I don't know, a professional supervisor. You know what I'm talking about. Those people who, no matter what job they have, they're the supervisor. Uh, That means they stand there and watch you do it. They sent me these folks, and so we spent about five to seven hours on the side of the road with a two-year-old and a nine-year-old trying to keep them out of the road, do this, repacking the truck, and there was no more moment that was more frustrating than this. When the guy, the supervisor, (laughs) he turns to me, and he says, hey, I got bad news for you. What's that? He said, I think think you got too small of a truck. I went, how big is the truck? 24 feet. I said, well, the last truck I had was 24 feet and it all fit in there. He goes, well, it doesn't all fit anymore. So you got too small of a truck. And I thought, what, what is this? Well, what happened was through the whole packing process, I had to fight with the guys. No, we have to turn it this way. No, no, no. We're going to turn it this way. And it was, it was just a debacle. And what happened was there were pieces uh, of our, of our, all, everything that we own or everything, you know, our whole being that were shoved in this trailer and they were put in wrong to where there was a lot of just empty space and there was no room and we had to leave uh, a, a few bicycles behind. We had the golf clubs behind. I had to leave, oh, I'll tell you the worst, my shot back, all right? I, it was like all okay until my shot back was on the side. 
went, oh, and it just wouldn't fit. Well, here, here's, here's what happened. When we packed the truck the first time, we took very great care to make sure each piece fit perfectly in, in, that, in that box truck. The second time, it was getting thrown in. And, and our job, if we want God to shine through these difficult circumstances, we need to take greater care of what's really filling our life. You say, what, what do you mean, Dave? How do I, how do I fill my life? How do, I, how do I put it in so it all fits so that there's room for God to work in your life? Well, there are three words that I'd like you to write down. They are time, talent, and treasure. How you manage your time will be a key indicator of whether or not God is able to shine through your difficult circumstance. You leave no time for him. You don't spend time with him. You leave him behind. Hmm, you're going to wonder, where are you, God? And he's going to say, I'm right here, but evidently you don't want me to fit. You have to manage your talent. Are you giving your talent for the Lord in full? Uh, the things that he's gifted you with, the things that you're good at, are, are those the things that you're investing in his kingdom? You know, Elevation Church needs to be a church. It is so crucial as we get into 2014 that we are a church who uses our talents for Jesus. Nobody sits. Everybody makes a difference and lets room for God to show up and do something huge. You know that neighbor you're praying for? You know that son or daughter you're praying for? You know that mom or dad you're praying for, that coworker? God wants to use you. And you have to begin to arrange your talent to fit and make room for God so that he's using it for eternal purposes and then your treasure, your finances. You know, I was blown away by what God did yesterday in the area of finances. I was just knocked over. It was incredible. God will shine through any part of your life if you'll simply make room for it. Now we're going to move. Here's your next blank. We're going to move a little quick here through the next three. So, so stay with me. God is big enough to save his people from their sin. Isn't that a great promise? That is a phenomenal promise. And, you know, the whole point of Matthew, Matthew, you know, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And one of the bigger things that Matthew is trying to accomplish, and the reason why his genealogy is a little different than Luke, is he goes through a royal line um, in the Old Testament. He goes through all the people who were in charge, and he's trying to present Christ as king. Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And here it is. When he became a man... And he was fully God and fully man from the virgin birth. And he walked the road to the cross and shed his blood for, for the remission of sin. I'm here to tell you today that it worked. Some of us are living like we're not forgiven. Like, hey, I've messed up and God is out to get me. Well, I'm here to tell you today, if you have surrendered to Christ, you are forgiven. Isn't that a great truth? You're forgiven. Act like it. Wake up in the morning with joy no matter what your past looks like. You want to know what? Everybody has a past. Just stop, and stop after at the 10-minute party and say, what's your past? And you probably will be here until long after we're gone. Everybody has a past, but God can forgive. Check out Isaiah 1, verse 18. I love this scripture. This is back from Isaiah. It says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You know, many people are knocking on white as snow as a racial thing, but it's not about black, white. It's about crimson and white. We were going to, we were going to be dead in our own sin. Our garments were going to be stained with sin. 
as crimson. But no, Jesus came to make them white as snow. They will be like wool. Check this out in Matthew 1, verse 21. Just go ahead and turn there. Uh, you may have to turn a page or something to get back to Matthew 1, 21. You may not realize this, but this is the central part of Christmas right here. Even in the Christmas story, God was trying to say, I want you to see this. I'm here to forgive sin. I'm here to save people from what they cannot save themselves from, their big need. It says, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name. What's that name? Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Right there in the Christmas story. Have you ever thought about that? Right there. They knew this is the one who's going to do this. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, and everybody remember this, I, this verse right here from last week, Isaiah seven fourteen, the prophecy we talked about. It said, behold, here it is, Matthew quoting it, Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall uh, call his name Emmanuel, which translated is God is with us. You say, what's my role if God's big enough to save from my sin? Today you may have walked in and maybe you really aren't sure that you've ever begun a relationship with Christ. Your role is simply this. And even if you have begun a relationship with Christ, it's a daily surrender to God. Let me ask you, are you trying to do it all on your own? Or are you saying, okay, God, uncle, uncle, you, you, you take it. It's yours. I surrender to your ways, to your plan. I surrender to your morals. I surrender to your way of life. Are you surrendering? That is the place and that is the way that God's bigness can shine through and we are forgiven. Isn't that a great truth? To be forgiven by the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest thing on earth. It's the greatest thing on earth. And so here's your fourth thing that God is big enough to do. God is big enough to receive my best. He is big enough to receive my best. Check this out um, in verse 10 and 11 of Matthew chapter 2. It says, when they saw the star, that's the wise men, right? When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They were like, ah, I know where he is. They wanted to get there. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, there's that word, right? They had opened their treasures. They presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And here is a great truth. It's your next blank right there uh, in in your program. What we give to God, this is huge because this is so countercultural in Christmas. What we give to God is much more important than what we receive from others. Whoa, let that settle in for just a second. What you and I give to God, our time, our talent, our treasure, our worship, our heart, our voice when we sing, our attention when we study his word, how we lead our family to Christ, all those things are more important than what we receive. Because check this out. The wise men had two options if you've never thought about it this way. The wise men could have, could have taken what Herod wanted to give them. Remember the king said, hey, why don't you go find this guy? If they would have brought Jesus back to Herod, I just have a hunch. It's not like in the Bible or nothing. But I think these guys would have been set for life. But instead of taking them back, saying, ah, we found it. What do we get? You know, hey, 
What's there? What's the prize? They emptied out their best for God right there. They emptied out their best. Here's your role. Look at this. This Christmas season, the end of this year, no matter what your years look like, maybe you're limping in to 2014. Maybe you're out of gas. Maybe you've had a great year and you're starting to pull the throttle back. Hear this and hear it clearly. Give your best to God. Because when you give your best to God, he is big enough to receive it. You know, the, remember the movie where they, the, you can't handle the truth, right? So many times we, we come to God that way, like you can't, even if I gave you my best, I'm not sure you can handle this, God. I, I got this situation taken care of. No, God can handle the truth. God can handle the truth of who your life is. He can handle your best. He can handle your worst. He is big enough. He is our big God. Here's the final thing that we're going to look at this morning. And I love this. Look at verses 13 through 15, and then we'll, we'll dive into it. It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay here until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and he departed, he hightailed it for Egypt. Get me out of here. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. And here is the great truth. God is big enough to win the day in his weakest moment. Maybe you walked in here this morning, and you're thinking, Whoa, I don't know if God sees me. I don't know if he cares. I don't know if he keeps his promises. I don't know if this is too difficult for him. I don't know if he can take what I have to give. I don't know if he can save a person like me because of my past. I don't know if he can wipe my sin out. Well, I'm here to tell you today, more than anything else, in God's weakest moment, there is a baby traveling from Egypt as a guy tried to kill him, as people were like passing rumors about his parents as people were, were there skeptical of the whole situation, there's baby Jesus in his daddy's arms going to Egypt so a king doesn't kill him. And even still, right there, he did that so that the Bible could be fulfilled, the Bible prophecy could be fulfilled that he would come out of Egypt. God always keeps his promises so even in his weakness, he was accomplishing something that only God could accomplish. Isn't that crazy? Only, even in his biggest weakness. Listen to 1 Corinthians one twenty-five. It says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And you may say, what's my role? If God is super strong, even in his biggest weakness, you just simply have to, and this is mostly for the Christian right here, this Remain in Christ. Don't walk outside of God. Some of us are, are wanting to give up on, on God or give up on the church or, you know, we're, we've gotten disappointed over spiritual things or we've gotten disappointed because we said this faith thing, it doesn't work. God isn't slow in keeping his promise. He's showing mercy. God isn't weak. 
he's accomplishing exactly what he wanted to accomplish. You know, it's almost like when baby Jesus went to Egypt, he went, check, there's a promise right there, even in this detour in life. In our greatest detours in life, God is going, ah, accomplishing just what I need to in your life. Perfect. So stay in him. Don't leave. Be committed to him. Rewire your mind to be 100% focused on who he is because God is big. Now, here's a truth. I I talked to the Christian, but maybe you came in the room today and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't remain in Christ. You can't stay in the things of Christ because you've never started. You've never taken advantage of his ability to save his people from their sins. Well, today could be your day to do that. Some of us need to start growing while we remain in Christ. You know what? To stop church hopping or to stop, to stop like opening your Bible on a Sunday and letting it collect dust in the next seven days. Some of us need to begin to grow in our maturity in Christ and really begin to dig deep and be used by our big God. Because remember, the great truth of the big give is God gave us so that we could receive Jesus so that we can turn around and give him back to the world we live in. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.